I think if you're going to follow Jesus, you should do it eagerly. When I was a boy, my dad uh, led me to the Lord. And then he told me that after you get saved, you should get baptized. And so I said, all right, I want to be baptized. And then he said, you need to wait. I said, I want to be baptized right now. He goes, well, you need to wait. I was really small, and I waited until I was eight. My mom and dad said, you can be baptized when you're eight. My dad was with a group called the Galilean Baptist Mission, which was a mission work with little Baptist churches up in northern Michigan and in the UP. And he got a call from a church uh, in 1966. I was eight, and he got a call from a church that they needed a pulpit supply on Sunday, Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day in 1966. And so my dad, who's pretty gung-ho, said, sure, we'll spend Christmas Day with you. And we jumped in the car, lived in Grand Rapids, and we drove up to Midland to a little church that's called Carter Road Baptist Church now, and then it was called Highway Byway Baptist Church. And my dad preached on Sunday morning, on Christmas Sunday morning, at this little brick church, the Highway Byway Baptist Church. And he preached on salvation, and uh, he gave an invitation, and he preached on baptism. He said, if you're saved, you should be baptized. And if you haven't been baptized and you want to be baptized, I want you to come forward right now. And a whole bunch of people went forward. And I'm like, like I said, I want to be baptized, and now I'm eight. And so he said, okay. And, he, and my dad, who was just a young whippersnapper at the time, said, all right, we're going to have a baptism tonight. said to the deacons, can you get the baptistry full this afternoon? And the deacons smiled, and they said, well, we can fill the baptistry, but it's filled with spring water, and it was Christmas, so it's going to be cold. But if these people are serious about following Jesus, that's no problem. And I will never forget my baptism. One, because I was so eager, and two, because it was so cold. And, uh, but I don't know, when were you baptized? When were you baptized? Wouldn't it be fun if we could tell the stories, all of us could just take the time and tell the stories about how we came to the Lord and when we were baptized, I, the other day I went on, a few months ago, I went on Google Earth and I, I, I zoomed in on Carter Road Baptist Church and I took a picture of it. One of these days when I'm going up north, I'm going to get off 75 north of the Zilwaukee Bridge. I'm going to go over there by Midland. I'm going to go out in the country and I'm going to put my hand on that building where when I was a little boy, I, follow, I followed Jesus in baptism. You know, why do we do that? Well, it's because the Bible commands it. Jesus' last command that's recorded is the command to make disciples and baptize them. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. You have notes in your bulletin uh, today, so there will be no surprises. Uh, Well, there may be some surprises, but there are some things in your notes that will help you. Here's what it says in Matthew 28 and verse 16. And now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. Again, we have a post-resurrection appearance here. This is Jesus saying, before he died, after I die and rise again, I want you to go back to Galilee, I'll see you on the mountain, which would have been pretty cool, right? So here's what, that's where we are, and it says, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted, and Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You see that? Just real simple. When Jesus gave the, this is called the Great Commission. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he gave the, the, big, the marching orders for the church. He says, hey, I want you to find, you know, you guys are followers of me, and you saw that I died for you and was buried and rose again. Now I want you to go out and gather other followers, eager followers. Now, I, that's like I said when I started. 
if you follow Jesus, you should follow him eagerly. Am I right? You should, I mean, if it's Jesus is God and he loves you, then you should follow him. That should be, you should follow him with more enthusiasm than you do anything in the world. You should do whatever he says. Go wherever he says to go. Say whatever he says to say. To be like him. And what he said was, if you're my follower, go into all the nations, make other followers, and then immediately he says, and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized immediately after we're saved because that's what Jesus said. It is his last command, and that's kind of important. And we do that eagerly. It's only appropriate to obey God immediately with a right heart attitude, right? And eagerly. So that's why you get saved. When should you get saved? When should you get baptized? When should you get saved? Now? When should you get baptized? Immediately after you get saved. Why? Because Jesus said we don't really need any other answers than that. All, he said, all authority is given to me. You might say, well, I don't really understand it. doesn't really matter that much. You just obey what he said. Now I'll help you with your understanding a little bit today. I came home one day, and one of my dogs was crying. That happens. You know, that happens. She was crying, but it was happy tears. It wasn't sad tears. It was happy tears. Emotional tears. I'm like, what? What's up? And she's looking at her little iPhone, and she's just crying. I go, what's up? Why are you crying? She goes, look at this. Well, she had a little YouTube video, and it was a YouTube video of a, of a, of a, of a youth rally, like a, a concert. There were thousands of kids there. And I think it was Chris Tomlin who was doing that version of Amazing Grace, My Chains Fell Off, Amazing Grace version. Remember that? So he's playing that, and it's kind of like the invitation for kids to come forward to follow Jesus after the speaker. And kids, and so they, they appealed to these kids to come forward, and at first, you know, nobody came. You know how it is. And, and, and then a few people started coming, and then somebody in the back of the crowd came out to the aisle and started coming forward and then started going faster and then started running. And then all of a sudden, kids were running to the cross. They had a big cross erected there at the front and kids were literally running. And then when they got to the front, they were diving at the foot of the cross and they were laying at the foot of the cross, eager to follow Jesus. You know, you say, well, I'm too old for that kind of behavior. I cannot run and, and jump. It's like, could you just humbly, slowly kneel at the cross? Could you, you eager to obey him? I will tell you this. People, I've seen this over my lifetime. You see it in the Bible. You read it in Christian biography. I see it in my lifetime. People who are eager to follow Jesus, people who are eager to obey Jesus, they have the blessing of God on their lives. And they're going to have the blessing of God in their future. And one of the first things Jesus said after you say you're a follower is be baptized. And that, you can usually tell when a person is really saved. They're like, hey, when do I get to be baptized? I want to be baptized. When can I be baptized? So when should you be baptized? So how do we know this? Well, Jesus said it in Matthew. But let's do a little quick Bible survey. The heart of my message today is just going to be this first little thing. And I'm going to show you some examples. Like if you read the book of Acts, Acts is just the historic record of the early church. And that's what they did. And there was the day of Pentecost, kind of the beginning of the church, if you will. And you know, Peter preaches, and lots of people get saved. In Acts 2.41, it says the people that got saved, they call it those who gladly received his word. The next word were, they were baptized. About 3,000. So it was a big deal. Can you imagine, you would get like, you would get tennis elbow baptizing 3,000 people. That would be amazing. That would be a, that'd be a problem I'd love to have. Like, we're going to have to have some help here. We've got 3,000 people to be baptized. So on the day of Pentecost, when a bunch of people got saved, they got baptized right away. It's what, it's what happens. 
In Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, the Samaritan men and women came. Men and women, it says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. That's so beautiful. Not just men get to follow Jesus, men and women and children. You're going to see that believing children follow Jesus in the Bible too. There was a guy named Simon in Acts chapter 8 and verse 13. Simon himself believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs that were done. And if you remember, if you know this story, Simon's was a little tricky. Sometimes you actually baptize people, and they don't turn out to be genuine believers. But, and an apostle baptized this guy. So I don't feel so bad if I do that every once in a while. Basically, if a person says, hey, I believe, I'm a follower, I want to be baptized, baptize them. And many of all those that are genuinely born again, they'll follow, they'll follow God. They'll continue with the Lord. But you notice that Simon was baptized as soon as he believed. There's the beautiful story in Acts chapter 8 of the guy we call the Ethiopian eunuch. Right? And he's in the chariot. Remember, he's reading Isaiah, and he says, who's going to teach me? And that's in, in Acts chapter 8. As they went down the road, they came to water. This is after they described to him about salvation. And he says, look, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? You see that? He was eager to be baptized as soon as he, was, as soon as he knew who Jesus was. So Philip, the evangelist, says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's why we do what we do in the baptistry. You notice when we baptize somebody, we always say, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And then they say, I believe. That's, that's the formula right there. You don't have to give a big flowery testimony. We totally love big flowery testimonies. You, know, you don't have to tell a big tear-jerking testimony. We love tear-jerking testimonies. Yeah. But all you have to do is say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. Some people are like still water runs deep, and they're quiet, but they're loyal, and they just, yes, I'm going to follow him. And then, but, but one thing he said is, I want you to be baptized. So with the Ethiopian eunuch, he says, there's water. Let's, what, what keeps me from being baptized? Do you believe? I do. Philip and the, the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. By the way, you wouldn't, you know, we, sometimes people talk about sprinkling. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. You wouldn't really need to go down into the water for that, right? And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more. And this is the last phrase. It says, and so he went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. Listen to me. You are looking for happiness, aren't you? Everybody is. You want to be happy. You want to be fulfilled. You're in the pursuit of happiness. Everybody is. But what most people don't know is the way to happiness is not what most people think. The way to happiness is being a follower of Jesus and quickly obeying him. This guy went on his way rejoicing. He was joyful. His heart was bubbling with joy. Why? Because he knew who Jesus was, he believed him, and he obeyed him in baptism. Maybe you're here today, and you haven't been very happy lately. Can I suggest that you look back over your life and say, where did I leave the path of obedience to Jesus? If you are a follower of Jesus... And when he says to do something, you just assume he's going to empower you to do it, and you just step forward in obedience. That's the simple formula for you having a blessed life, which means a genuinely happy life. Saul, remember Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted Acts chapter 9 and verse 18. When he got saved, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once. He arose, and he was baptized. You talk about a guy who said, man, I don't need to be baptized like I'm a Pharisee. He immediately, when he met the Lord, even though he had all that religious baggage in his past, all that religious dogma in his past, 
all that liturgy, if you will, and catechism and learning and all that pride and religious pride in his past, when the scales fell from his eyes, he saw who Jesus was and he was converted and he believed he immediately was baptized. This is the way it is in the Bible. In in, uh, Acts chapter 10, there's a story of Cornelius. It's a gorgeous story of this Roman soldier. You know, he's a a Gentile. And and God has to shake Peter up to get him to go to Cornelius, who's a Gentile, because, you know, it's hard for Jews to believe that Gentiles can even be saved. And God has to, like, miraculously shake Peter up to get him to go. He goes, Cornelius gets saved, beautifully saved. And then what happens? You think he gets baptized? Acts chapter 10, verse 48. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they ask him to stay a few days. There is that Macedonian call. Remember that story here in the Bible in Acts chapter 16? And they go over into Macedonia, the Philippi. They meet a woman there. Her her name is Lydia. She's a seller of purple. She has a big household. Um, The Lord called her to himself in a beautiful way. Um, It's a beautiful... Matter of fact, let's turn to that one. Acts chapter 17. So we keep our finger turning, uh, fingers nimble, right? Acts chapter uh, 17. um, Store here. uh, Chapter 16. Uh, and in, in the story, it's the, the conversion of the Philippian jailer is going to be next, if you recall. But, but before that, here's Lydia, and, and, it, and it says uh, this. She was a seller of purple goods. Down by the riverside, verse 13. On the Sabbath day, they went down to the gate to the riverside where they supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and we spoke to the women who came together to pray there. One who heard was a woman named Lydia. This is a beautiful story. City of Thyatira seller of purple goods, who was a God-fearing woman, a worshiper of God. But God opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, which is what I'm praying is happening to you right this very minute, that God the Holy Spirit is like going, wait a minute, I'm hearing this like I never heard it before, right? It's a supernatural thing. She urged us saying, if you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house. I'm sorry. He opened her heart, and verse 15 says, and after she was baptized, and her household as well. So what would happen is somebody would come to believe, and the believing household, this happened in chapter 16 with the Philippian jailer. They taught, they believed. The believing household was all saved, including believing children that, were, that believed. That's Acts 16.25. At midnight, Paul, Silas, they're praying and they're singing hymns to God. Prisoners are listening to them. Suddenly there's an earthquake. Foundations of the prison are shaken. Doors are open. Chains are loosed. Keeper of the prison, waking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open. Suppose the prisoners had fled. Drew his sword, was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said these famous words, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Listen to me, listen to me. You need to say that right now if you haven't already done it. Just say to any old gospel preacher, any Christian, what do I need to do to be saved? You need to say that right now. I'm telling you that will change your life. You say, you don't understand how bad it is in my life. You understand the sins that I wrestle with. You understand my demons. You understand the dark stuff. I know I don't. Jesus does. He died for your sin. Think about that. You believe in Jesus. What must I do to be saved? And this is what they said. It's like they didn't give them this big lifelong thing they had to do. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And everyone in your household believes, right? And your whole household. They spoke the word of the Lord to them, and all that were in his house, they all heard the word of the Lord, and they took them that same hour of the night, that same hour, they washed their stripes and immediately were baptized that same hour. Question, when do you get baptized? Immediately after you get saved. According to the Bible, am I right? 
I'm showing you over and over in the Bible. It just, I just want you to see that because that's not some church polity thing that, you know, that church guys sit around and cooked up. It's just the simple, you, you might, the simple teaching of the Bible, the simple example of the Bible. And you might be sitting here thinking, something missing in my life. Something missing. Never been able to quite get it figured out. Can I suggest to you that something missing is a someone, is Jesus. And to believe in him and then to follow him. And you start by being baptized. You know what I notice? Sometimes somebody will make a profession of faith, especially if they have a religious background, right? They'll make a profession of faith. They say, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus. We say make a profession of faith in our church. What we mean is they say they're saved, okay? In in other groups, they use that term a little bit differently. But you know what I'm saying. Somebody says, "I'm I'm a Christian now. So they're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, right? They're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then you say, okay, then let's get you baptized. And then they go, okay, well, hold on. Let me talk to my dad about that. And then dad says something like, are you kidding? Like I remember, uh, I remember one person, and this isn't being mean to anybody. I hope you don't hear. I don't have that spirit in me at all. You know, I, I, I don't have that in me. I, I think, you know, uh, so person makes a profession of faith. It's a true story. Starts to grow. Starts to get involved in Christian things. Starts to get their roots down. Goes home and says to dad, I want to be baptized. And dad says, we are Irish Catholics. You do not need to be baptized by those Baptist people. And then they go off, and they don't follow through on a walk of the Lord. Are they saved? Are they not saved? God knows. But I'm just saying, if you're, if, I don't care if you're Scottish Presbyterian, if you're German Lutheran, if you're a mutt Baptist, it doesn't matter what you are. If the Bible says believe in Jesus and then be baptized, you need to be baptized after you believe in Jesus. I don't care who says what. And I'm not being mean. I realize you've got a precious Roman Catholic lady who loves her little baby, and she takes her to the church to have the little baby sprinkled because she says, I know there's a God. Then she's in the Cornelius category, a God-fearing person who's trying to do what's right. And when they come to further light, understanding that the New Testament teaches that you should be baptized by immersion after you're saved, then that person should do that. We'll get to that. Can a person be saved without being baptized? Well, yes. You're saved by grace through faith alone, right? I'm going to give you some reasons, some like six quick arguments. Um, Six quick arguments how we know you can be saved, but you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Now listen, if you say to me, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I've chosen not to be baptized, then I'm going to say to you, well, you're not a follower of Jesus if you're not following him, right? If he says be baptized and you're not baptized, how can you say you're a follower of Jesus? That's a different thing than saying you're saved by being baptized. I'm just telling you, somebody that says I'm a follower of Jesus that won't be baptized, I'm concerned for their soul. Why wouldn't you want to follow Jesus in the first command? How do we know that... How do we know that you're going to be... Now, I understand you might have hang-ups, you might have stuff, baggage, you might, you know, it might, you want it to be real. I get that. So, so I'm not putting you down. I'm just trying to teach you what the scriptures say, and that is, I'm trying to help you by saying this. You want to be a follower of Jesus, right? Okay, well, then the first thing to do is do the first thing, the last thing he said, and that is to be baptized. And then it's almost like, I always think about it like a, a, a beautiful drive at night, Right? And when you get in your car and you're going to some place on a beautiful country, winding country road, you turn on your headlights, but you can't see where you're going. You can only see a few hundred yards ahead of you. And what do you do? You do what everybody does. You drive to the end of the headlights. And when you get there, what happens? You see further down the road. And when you get there, what happens? You see, that's the Christian life. We're looking out into the darkness. We don't know what's out there. We don't know what's going to happen. We've got the headlights of God's Word. We just obey those. We drive to the end of 
the headlights of obedience. And then God, when we get out there, look what he's got waiting for us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart, imagination. Uh, the things God's prepared for those who love him. If you love him and he loves you, he's got a bright future for you. You've got to keep moving forward in spirit anointed, spirit-led, spirit-motivated obedience. And when you keep obeying him, then you have a very beautiful and bright future because a sovereign, loving God is out there and he is going to take care of you. You need to walk with him. You need him. You, you need the Lord. You can't live without him. You can't go out into eternity without him. This is what you're missing. Living in obedience to the Lord. Now, how do we know that that you don't have to be saved to be baptized, even though it's important that you get baptized. First of all, you've got the example of the thief on the cross, right? Did he go to heaven? Yes, he did. Because you just said today, you'll be with me in paradise. But did he get baptized? No. As far as we know, he didn't tithe. He didn't go to church. He didn't do a catechism. He didn't get baptized. He just believed that Jesus was dying for his sins, and he went to be with the Lord. That's argument number one. Argument number two, Paul was considered a brother before he was baptized. If you read the account of Paul's conversion, and there are a number of them in the Bible, in Acts chapter 9, then you'll notice it says, The Lord said to him, Acts 9, 15, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, and I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered his house, laid his hands on him, and called him brother. Get it? Brother Saul. He's not baptized yet, because he's going to baptize him. But he's considered a brother, before he's baptized. Get it? And then third, baptism is a work, and we're not saved by works. The Bible's really clear about that. Salvation is, is it a work or is it a gift? Say it out loud, church. It's a gift. Can you say praise the Lord about that? And aren't you glad you don't have to keep your salvation? You would lose it like you do your car keys, right? You don't have to keep your salvation. God is going to keep yourself. I like that. He doesn't lose stuff. He is God. He knows where everything is. I trusted him with my salvation when I was a little boy. He's followed me all my life, convicted me when I sinned, drawn me over and over back to him when I strayed, loved me when I wasn't worth it, right? And he's been taking care of me even when I don't deserve it. I've broken the rules, but he never breaks his promises to me. That's because he's keeping us. How beautiful is that? And salvation is a gift, not works. Act, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You know what? If you don't know this, go back to Awana, get yourself a cubby vest, and memorize this one. For by grace are you saved through faith. Some of you would look really cute in cubby vest. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself. It's the, say it. It's the gift. That's the Bible. It's the gift of God. Don't let some religious person tell you that you got to do, you know, special kind of like gym, spiritual gymnastics to stay safe. No, it's a gift that you receive from God by His grace. You believe and you're saved. And Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. You don't get your sins washed away in the baptismal waters. You get your sins washed away when you believe in Jesus, right? And the baptismal waters are symbolic of that washing that you had, in, in other, symbolic of other things too. Paul didn't baptize, but he, he won many to Christ. These are arguments that I'm giving you why. Some people say you have to be baptized to be saved. I'm saying, no, no, the New Testament doesn't teach that. And how do we know? Another is because baptism is a work, and we're not saved by works. And this is number four if you're numbering them. Paul didn't baptize, but he brought many to Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, Christ did not send me to baptize, he says, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. 
See what I'm saying? If Paul said, I'm, I'm, he's leading people to the Lord, and he's, you know, and he's not concerned whether he baptizes them or somebody else baptizes them, they're going to get baptized after they're saved. He's not saying they're the same thing. Jesus saved many, but he himself didn't baptize. John 4, 2. Jesus himself did not baptize, but he had his disciples do that work, right? Um, in, in Luke 19:10, the Son of Man has come to seek and save. Okay, if he came to seek and save, but he didn't baptize, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. You're baptized because you are saved. That's the argument. Get it? Also, the Bible gives the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it gets li- that's the simplest statement of the gospel. That Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and it says, and if you believe, you have eternal life. It doesn't say if you believe and if you're baptized. It assumes the obedience of baptism, but it doesn't connect it with you've got to be baptized to be saved. Some people say that Acts 2.38, and I understand this, that Acts 2.38 teaches what they would call baptismal regeneration. I don't think so. The word for there can also mean because of. We use it that way often. It's used that way in Luke 5 and 14. He charged them to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. So he makes an offering for his cleansing, but wait a minute, he's already cleansed, right? So the idea of the grammar there is he's making an offering because he's been cleansed. That's the same way the word for is used in Acts 2.38, baptized. So who believes and is baptized. So I understand that if that's the only passage that you had in the Bible about salvation, it would appear that you've got to be saved and, ba- and then baptized to be saved. But here's what we believe. We believe in what's called the analogy of faith. Wise Bible scholars believe that you take the whole Bible and you interpret it in the analogy of faith, meaning the Bible is its own best commentary, and that you take passages that are a bit unclear or questionable and you, and you understand those in the light of all the passages that are explicit or that are clear. You don't take all the explicit, clear passages and reinterpret them according to the passage that's obscure. Does that make sense? So if you've got one passage that seems to be teaching something different, then what you want to do is you interpret that passage in the light of all the other passages, and we could stand here today and show you dozens of passages that teach that salvation is by grace, through faith, alone, by believing alone, and then a person to show that they're saved, then they're baptized. Should infants be baptized? I want to be sensitive here, but, but we're, just, we're just Bible Christians, so we're just going to say, what does the Bible say about that? It doesn't say anything about that. Literally nothing. So the Bible doesn't say anything about sprinkling babies. It just doesn't say anything about that. I'm not saying people aren't sincere when they do that. I, I, I rather believe many of them are very sincere. We had a lady, she might be here in the congregation today, I hope she is, and she called this week, and, um, and she, t- she talked to Sandy, and Sandy instructed her some, and I got a chance to talk to her, and a precious lady who said she has a little baby, and she wants that baby to be baptized. And I said, so will you bring that baby to our church? We'll baptize her in eight or ten years, you know. But uh, get, get her here, you know. And we'll explain, we'll explain to you about why we don't sprinkle infants, but we have all kinds of training programs so little children can come to know the Lord at a very young age and then be taught in the Scriptures and memorize the Scriptures. See, what was going on in that lady's heart? She loved her little girl, and she knew there was a God, and she knew that she needed God. Do you know that? Listen, you got more information than that lady probably had. You need to follow the Lord. That's the number one thing you need to do. And you need to follow with eagerness all your life. He says, let's go. You say, I'm with you. Listen, it will save you a lot of heartache, amen? It will save you a lot of heartache. It will save you a lot of trouble. save you a lot of dead ends. save you a lot of pain if you would just... Follow the God of eternity right now in this world while you can. He'll, he knows the future. He loves you. See, so you just definitely want to follow him. Now, 
should infants be baptized? There are no commands to baptize infants in the Bible. Zero. There are no examples of infants being baptized in the Bible. There are examples of households that were instructed and the children believed that were older, but there are zero examples in the Bible of any infants being baptized. And there are absolutely no instructions in the Bible about baptizing infants or sprinkling infants. Therefore, since we have no commands, no examples, no instructions, why would we do that? The Bible gives commands, examples, and instructions of believers' baptism, being baptized after you're saved. Now, what should I do if I find out that my baptism isn't scriptural? What if I find out that my... Like, for instance, Lois, when she was a little girl, she was getting ready for church on Sunday, and her mom was very devout and very proud, a proud lady, let's just say it, okay? She's a proud lady. She's not going to bring her kids out. Am I in trouble here? Okay. So not, I don't want to get in any kind of trouble here, Granny. Um, so we, 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 so Mom, my, my mother-in-law, Allie Hatton, is a proud lady and would not take her little kids out in public without having them look sharp. And I got pictures of Lois when she was little. She had little bangs, little dimpled knees, ready for church, all dressed up. But listen, her mom did that in a little house on the other side of the creek from the Baptist church that didn't even have running water, didn't even have hot water. Some of you say, well, I don't know if I'm going to church today. It's like, you don't have it so bad. You have a hot shower. You don't have any excuse. Come to church. Anyway, so she has a tub, right? Runs the water, boils some water, pours the hot water in, and bathes all the kids in a tub so that she can take them to church. Her mean brother Alvin, her older brother Alvin, who's not here, so we're calling him mean, he bumped her and knocked her in the wash tub. That is not scriptural baptism, okay? I'm just saying, okay? That's great. That's cute. That's a great story. But she's got to be baptized. She can't just say, hey, I went in the water. And, you know, I went in the water. Well, if, <laughs> that's, a lame, that's a lame illustration. But you understand why I want to tell that story, right? It's like, well, allow me that indulgence today. I'll still finish within two hours. That's the way I am. She wasn't baptized scripturally. Uh, you know, you've got the people that had the baptism of John. That was a good baptism. It wasn't a biblical believer's baptism like Apollos. And the Bible, when it talks about Apollos in Acts 19, Apollos is one cool dude. I mean, he's eloquent, mighty in the scriptures. He reason. He's a great guy. You want to be like Apollos. And when Apollos, when Priscilla and Aquila showed him the things of God more perfectly, he understood he didn't have believer's baptism. And he's like, okay, sign me up. I'm in. That's the spirit, folks. That's what you want. I pray God will give you that spirit. What, and it may not be baptism today. Maybe you're sitting here, you know, fat and happy because you're already baptized, right? But there's something else that God's told you to do, and you haven't done it yet. And you know what it is. I'm just saying, you're done. You're just sitting there. You're idling until you say, okay, Jesus, if you tell me to do something, you know, I'm all ears. I'm going. I'm just going to obey you, even if I don't understand. If the Bible says it, I'm going to do it. Those are the people that have the obvious favor and the blessing of God in their life. I'm telling you, I've seen this. I'm going to give you a beautiful example of that in a minute here that you're going to love. If you haven't been baptized scripturally, just come back and say, you know, I was sprinkled or I wasn't baptized scripturally. I wasn't really saved when I was baptized. I want to be, I want to follow the Lord in baptism. We'll tell you a story. We'll baptize you. You'll know your conscience is clear. What mode of baptism does the scripture teach? It teaches immersion. How do we know that? You know, in the, like you saw today, why does, how do we know the Bible teaches that? Well, uh, in Acts 8, you know, we just read that in Acts 8. They went down into the water. They needed water. Acts, uh, Matthew 13, 6, blessed are your eyes. Uh, you see, that's not a, a correct passage. John 3 and 23, John was baptizing because there was much water there. People came to be baptized. You don't need much water if you're just going to 
sprinkle somebody, right? We baptize by immersion because in the Bible there was much water where they baptized. We baptize by immersion because it's immersion that pictures the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. And baptism is primarily a symbol of that you believe in the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. If you, if you want a scriptural passage, that look in the description of baptism in Acts, Romans chapter 6. The Greek word itself is all the argument that you really need. The word baptizo means dip or immerse. To change it creates, a, it doesn't even mean that. In, in all of Greek literature, the word means to submerge under the water. So, and immersion was the universal practice of the ancient church. And so this is why. Why should I be baptized? Well, it's because you want the blessing of the Lord, because you fear God's discipline, and because you love him. Let's talk about those. Why do I obey the Lord? Well, because I don't want him to discipline me. Some of you trying to scare me? Of course I'm trying to scare you. Some of you should be scared, right? Some of you should be worried. You're not living according to God's ways. You know better. You're going out toward eternity. You don't even know if you're saved. You may spend eternity in hell. Some of you aren't walking with the Lord. You're not doing right. You know it. You struggle. I understand. We're sympathetic. We've all strayed. But you need to come back to the Lord. I know a guy that wandered away from the Lord. He was baptized when he was 10, 19, 16. 10 years old, 1960. How do I know this? I'm not that old, okay? Because I got a birthday present last year from my dad. It was a little New Testament that was given to my grandfather when he was baptized, when he was 10 years old. And my grandfather, because of some wrong teaching, got confused, wandered away from faithfulness to the Lord, and didn't really live for the Lord until my dad got saved. And when my dad started to witness my grandfather, my grandpa didn't get saved because he knew he was already saved. He just began to weep and say, Kenny, I understand that. I believe that, but I haven't really been living for the Lord. My grandpa got fired up, started living for the Lord, and at 55 years old, after my dad was a pastor, my grandfather became a pastor, and he lived like full bore, throttled down until he died, but he had to come back to the Lord. Please listen to me right now. Some of you right now need to come back to the Lord. I understand how easy it is to stray. I understand how, you know, you got all kinds of things pulling on you, I understand how you make mistakes and you feel guilty and the devil wants to pull you down and take you to hell. I'm just here to tell you that being a Christian is about starting over. You can start over today. I want to appeal to you to start over today. You need to start over today. Just say to God, here I am, God. I'm going to have to have a lot of help here. I have a, a dear lady that came to me and she said to me, I, I drift away. I'm afraid. How am I going to keep from drifting away? It's like, well, you don't keep yourself from drifting away. God is going to follow you. They, the, like... Um, Francis Fenland's famous classic poem, he's the hound of heaven. He's going to follow you, and he's going to follow you, and he's going to follow you. And maybe right now he's speaking to you through me, and he's saying to you, come back today. And at the end of the service, we're going to give you a chance. If you have never been a follower of Jesus, we're going to give you a come-forward chance to be a follower of Jesus today. At the end of the service, if you've drifted away from the Lord, we're going to give you a come-forward chance to come and say, okay, I'm back. I'm starting over. At the end of the service today, you knew where I was going with this, right? If you have never been scripturally baptized, we're going to give you a come-forward chance to come and say, okay, I give up. I surrender. I'm going to obey the Lord. Please baptize me at the earliest possible convenience. It's going to get exciting at the end of the service today. You'd be thinking about that. You should be feeling a little nervous right now, all right? We're going, to, we're going to actually, this isn't going to be like, let's pray a little happy prayer, and then let's go have, you know, roast beef. Let's, uh, let's not do that. Let's listen to the Word of God and then decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? I'm not going to obey him. Anyway, I digress. Why should I be baptized? Well, if you, don't, if you not obey the Lord, disobedience brings conflict into your life. But there's a higher motive, and that is he also is able to reward you. I'm just saying, God is able to reward you. 
You want him to reward you. He, re- he st- stimulates obedience, empowers obedience, and rewards obedience. Is that not a good deal? That is a great deal. He says, if you obey me, I will stir you to obey me, empower you to obey me, and then I will reward you for obeying me, and the reward's going to be forever. I guess I want God's reward. I don't want trouble by disobeying the Lord. I want whatever God's going to give me. But here's a higher thing. You have somebody in your life you love a lot? You have some, like, ladies, you love your husband? Squeeze his hand right now. That's it. Thank you, honey. Yeah. You obey him just because he can make things rough for you? I mean, do you love him because he can make things rough for you? No. Do you love him just because he can give you stuff? Yeah, maybe. A little, yeah. Or do you just love him? Does your heart beat fast? Because you're like, this is a bad illustration right now. We're not getting along today. Okay, although the last romantic movie you saw, what was it like, right? Yeah, you love, you got a love relation with somebody. That's amazing what you'll do when you love somebody. Yesterday morning, you knew I was going to work this into my message, right? Five o'clock, texts start blowing up. Chuck says, me and Cece are on the way to the hospital. Pray for us. She's pregnant, right? And she was supposed to have the baby on November 3rd, but she had it early, so I don't know what the deal is with that. Anyway, so... So that she's on the way to the hospital. I thought to myself, i got a hospital call to make. I can cancel my other stuff. And I'm in the car, and I'm on the way. And I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell Grandma because she had to take pictures yesterday all day. She's going to be all jealous of me. And so I'm like, I'm just in the car. And I'm not telling anybody. I'm laughing all the way. The texts are just blowing up. And, you know, it's her water broke. I will spare you all the other details. Baby's here. You know, all that. You know, texts are just blowing up. I'm watching. I'm, I'm getting closer. You know, I'm trying not to speed. Oh, i got to stop and get gas. This is awful. And then finally I see a text that comes through. And Chuck says, is anybody going to come and visit us? And I'm like, I'm right outside the door right now. And I'm like, knock on the door. And Cecilia looks amazing. I'm like, did you seriously have a baby or did you adopt? I mean, she looked great. I was like, you look great. She says, well, I had a minute to put some makeup on. I was there. Why was that? Why, would, why did I jump in a car at 5 o'clock in the morning, drive as fast as I was legal, slightly faster than I'm legally allowed to drive, to get there? Why? Because of what I could gain? Because they paid me? Because they're going to hurt me if I didn't? No, because my heart was pounding with love. Pounding with love. Listen, if I love my son like that, you ought to love Jesus who died on the cross for you with all of your heart and whatever he tells you to do, you ought to do it. Yes, Jesus, all you got to do is say go and I am on my way. Heart pounding, palms sweating, eager to serve because I love you, Lord. And if he says, first thing I want you to do is I want you to go through a little symbol like to identify with me and my death that I died for you and my burial and my resurrection. Will you do that? And you say, let me think about it. Are you kidding me? That doesn't make any sense. What are you saying when you're baptized? You're saying, I'm trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ alone for my salvation. You're saying, I want to openly testify that you are my God and no other. You're saying, today... I'm beginning a life of eager, joyful obedience to your commands. You're saying, I want to be active and functioning member of the body of Christ. Baptism is just openly identifying with Christ. I have four daughters. Maybe you have daughters. How do you like it when a guy comes through the back door and not the front door? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Dude, even a Michigan fan gets that, right? I mean, you know, like everybody gets that. It's like, if you want to see my daughter, that's fine. Come knocking on the front door and declare your intentions. Right? Don't come sneaking around like, what do you have in mind? Who are you anyway? You, you, you went through the back, right? You know what I'm saying? A lot of us, we want to follow Jesus kind of like quietly through the back door. He doesn't want that. He's like, I died naked on the cross for you. You can follow me and own it. 
and let people know that you're a believer. You're going to grow when you openly tell people, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. More and more in our culture that's getting weirder and weirder, if you say, I am a Jesus follower, you're just going to have some fun. I'll just tell you. And you need to openly own Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says, Psalm 119, 46. I will speak of your testimonies before kings. I will not be ashamed. Luke 12 I say to you, whoever confesses me, Jesus says before men, him will the Son of Man confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angel of God. You don't want that. Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus, believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you'll be saved, delivered. The heart one believes in the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see all those notes I have there? Does anybody here doubt I could just go on and on about this? But let's not do that. Let me just tell you a story. We lived in Hinsdale, Illinois for a while. We could never afford a house in Hinsdale. Rich people lived there. The ministry we were with had a house there, so we lived with all these rich people. So that was kind of interesting. Beautiful little town, though, western suburbs of Chicago, and the, you know, the, 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 the public transportation would go out there, it little bustle, you know, and little shops, you know, everything was quaint. There's a little Einstein bagel shop, and they have this great coffee this, that Einstein bagel has. It's a hazelnut vanilla. I can stop drinking coffee anytime I want to. I just don't want to right now. And I only drink two cups a day. They're like really big ones, but just two. All things in moderation. So I go to Einstein bagel, and I'm going to get some of the hazelnut va- David, have you ever had this? Your dad made a career at this, didn't he? And uh, if I only had the money that he spent buying people coffee at Einstein bagel, I would be... I could buy a nice car, right? Anyway, so I'm at Einstein Bagel, and there's a great little window seat. I love getting this window seat, and I'm always watching to see if it's open because that overlooks this park, and I can kind of perch in that window, and I can watch people come and go, and I can read my Bible. And so I get there, and that seat's open. I'm like, yes. So I take my Bible because I'm reading through this Bible, and I go over there, and I put it in the window to save that spot. And then I walk over to get my coffee, and I'm, I'm pouring the coffee, and I look, and a guy is going for my seat over there. I see him. I'm like, what? You know? And he puts his hand on my Bible, and I'm like, what's going on? You know? And he looks at me. He's Jamaican or something. He's, he's, uh, he's from the Caribbean, I think. Uh, and he looks at me, and, he's got the, and he looks at me with a big smile, and he puts his hand on my Bible, and he goes, are you a Christian? And I go, yes, I am. I love Jesus with all my heart. And that guy looked at me, and his eyes pulled with tears, and he goes, I am too. He's been so good to me. He's been so good to me. Here we are standing there crying, two total strangers, bunch of rich people everywhere except us, you know, and we love Jesus, and we want to talk about it. Do you? I'm telling you, your life's going to start bubbling, perking, joyful once you figure out Jesus is the answer to everything, every question your soul ever had. Jesus is the answer to that. And you want to follow him. You want to run and jump and follow him. If you get the invitation, we should be getting down here as fast as we can. Yes, I'm at the foot of the cross. Of course, I'm at the foot of the cross. Of course, I want to, I want to follow him. I pray a prayer. And I prayed this prayer hundreds of times, hundreds of times, thousands of times. It's the prayer I most often pray, I think. I pray it in... The windows, the, when I stand in the door of the kids' room, when they were at home and they were little, and I would have meetings late at night, and I couldn't get home to pray with them before they got in bed. Then I would come home from a meeting, and I would often go, and I would stand in the door of their rooms with a little room where all the girls were sleeping or the, where the boys were. And this is the prayer that I would pray. Lord, it's a prayer I also pray when they come visit now, and they're all grown up, and they get all their kids in the little car seats, and then they go off down the road, and they stand in the 
driveway and I wave until they go out of sight and they hold their hand out the window until they go out of sight. And it's the prayer that's on my heart right then. It's the same prayer. Thousands of times I've prayed this prayer. And it's just simple. I never pray, God, make them successful. I never pray that. I never pray, make them wealthy. I never pray that. I've never thought to pray that. I never pray that. I pray, Jesus, help them to walk with you all the days of their life and never turn aside. Help them to love you with all their heart and walk with you all the days of their life and never turn aside. I've prayed that prayer thousands of times for my kids and for people that I love. Something awesome happened last night. Okay. Something awesome happened. David is here. David Dunbar is here. David is the oldest son of Bob and Linda Dunbar. Linda's Lois' sister, and Bob was David's dad. And you know, I've talked about him often, because a couple years ago, he was shoveling snow to get his family out to church, and he had a heart attack, and he, he went to heaven. And he was as fine Christian man as I've ever met. David and I have had lots of conversations about the Lord and stuff like that. And usually we talk about baptism, don't we? A while ago, I said something about, a few years ago, we said something about David about being baptized. And he said something like, I'm not ready to be baptized. And I'm like, what? You know, so every time he comes over, you know me, I'm just irritating, so I'll get out. So every time he comes over, I just bug him about that. And it's a joke. It's a standing joke. I'm like, and so like he'll say it first. He'll go, look. You know, I'm not baptized yet. You don't say that to me. And we have had a lot of fun with that. And I have, like, he's been my guinea pig for really quite a few <laughs> years on that. And last, yesterday he came in town to help Lois with this wedding. And then Lois called me and said, why don't we have dinner? And so we went over to have dinner, and we're sitting there having dinner. And I said, hey, David, I hate to tell you this, <laughs> but um, tomorrow I'm preaching on baptism. And he's like, you knew I was coming. I go, I, I, no way. No way. I had this planned ahead of time. I had no idea you were coming. He said, must be a God thing. And I'm like, probably that's it. And then he very kindly looked across the table and said, words I've looked forward to hearing for a long time. And he said, you know, you know, if my dad was alive, he would baptize me. But I want you to baptize me. So come up here, Dave. I want you to come. He, he said he'd do this, poor guy. Um, and, be, and stand here with me. It's, uh, and David, David, I said, we got the baptistry full. Come here. <laughs> I love you. We got the baptistry full. We can baptize you. He goes, okay, let's do it. And then Lois goes, no. No. Why did she say that? Because mom wouldn't be here and brothers and sisters. So David wants you to know that he's going to follow the Lord in baptism. And I don't take many Sundays off here, but I'm going to take a Sunday off, and I'm going to go baptize David in his church. I'll get a chance to do that. And he wanted you to know <laughs> that he's going to follow the Lord. Stay with me here. Now, some of you need to do what David did, and you need to do it sooner than he did it. Listen, David's uh, dad, Bob, when David's sister, oldest sister, was married, when, when Bobby died, six kids were still at home, or five kids were still at home. Carly was married, and all the rest were still at home. So it was a human, painful thing. At, uh, at Carly's wedding, Bob prayed this, gave this most beautiful little talk. When Bob died, my, my boy Kyle made a little video, and he went on David's dad's iPad, and he found the song that he listened to the most on his iPad. And he took that song, and he made it the track of the film that they showed at his memorial service, where there were thousands, the church was just packed with people. The song was The Old Rugged Cross. At the end of that, Kyle took the video, or took the audio from Carly's wedding, what 
your dad said to Carly. I want to read it to you. It's a lot like my prayer. He said to Carly when she was getting married, when you were a little baby, I would stand at your crib and pray. I would pray over the crib. And there was a, I would pray there, and there was a cross-stitch that your mother made that said, you always have time for the things that you put first, which reminds me of the scripture verse in Luke 12, 34, which says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My advice to you, he said, is treasure your relationship with Jesus, which is a lot like that prayer. Treasure your relationship with one another. Treasure your relationship with your children and family. And if you do those things, you will honor God with your lives, and he will pour out his blessings on you like he's done with me and mom. David, that's going to happen to you, and it's already happening to you. And it can happen to you. I'd like you to stand. We're going to sing that song we all love singing, Lord, I need you. While we're singing, Lord, I need you, I'm going to give you a chance to come to the cross. I want you to tell me why you've come, when you come. Some of you are going to say, I want to follow Jesus as my Savior. I never did before. I want to become a Christian. Some of you are going to say, I'm coming back. And I, I, I've stumbled. I've made mistakes, but I'm starting over. You're going to come and shake my head and say, I'm starting over. And some of you are going to say, I want to be baptized. Come while they're singing. Join us.